studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's the story of the U.S. government's grudging acknowledgement of unidentified aerial phenomena, UAP, more commonly known as UFOs. After decades of public denial, the Pentagon now admits there's something out there, and the U.S. Senate wants to know what it is. The Intelligence Committee has ordered the Director of National Intelligence and the Secretary of Defense to deliver a report on the mysterious sightings by next month. 60 Minutes, outstupiding itself, which seems impossible. That once great show is now the the province of crap for morons. They ought to call it crap for morons on 60 Minutes. More on that in just a second or two. I thought for those just tuning in, uh, our friend Jack is under the weather today and is taking the day off to recuperate. We certainly hope to see him tomorrow. Uh, his list of symptoms is uh, a long, troubling, and disgusting. Um, but uh, a poor son of a gun, he really doesn't need this, and uh, hope he feels better soon. Uh, but glad you tuned in very much. Also, uh, breaking news that aired earlier, Sean went to a basketball game and I went to a baseball game. Like hey. Major League Sports over the weekend, which was I, and and in fact I, I was so joyful at having ga- gone to one game. My buddy and I decided to go to a second one, uh, the next day. It was just so great to be relaxing and listening to the roar of the crowd and the heckling of the idiots and the just eating. In my case, a waffle cone full of coconut shrimp. I was yes. in Florida. I uh-huh. uh, I even found my way to a uh, an adult drinking establishment. And took a uh, took a selfie with a bear statue, a giant stuffed bear, or is yeah, that carved? That's a carved wooden statue. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's some good carving. Oh yeah, it was it was a, it was you know craftsmanship at its finest. Oh yeah, and look at you got the I'm a drunk guy next to a bear smile. Yep. Perfect, perfect. Uh, not drunk certainly. Pleasantly. Hey. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, among other things, we'll get to heritage.org had a, a great piece. Why isn't the school meal program serving only those in need? It has become a government takeover of feeding your kids, and it's weird and troubling. And I know you think, well, what's the difference? What's the problem? So the kids don't have to pay for lunch at school. Why are they? But it's it's insidious. Trust me on this. Anyway, more on that to come. So you get your 60-minute story last night about the UFO dealio. Um, and, and what bothered me was really well encapsulated in that, uh, that opening. Sean, just play me a little bit of 19 again. It's the story of the U.S. government's grudging acknowledgement of unidentified aerial phenomena, UAP, more commonly known as UFOs. Okay, that's fine. So, it's a story... Now, idiots might want to tune out at this point because I'm going to address you as adults and not freaking morons like 60 Minutes does. Oh, the other thing that makes me insane about 60 Minutes. You got some guy on a screen, maybe as a scientist, a fighter pilot, whatever, because they talk to people like that. Generally, they ask him two, maybe three questions. And the third question is always the same. They'll ask the pilot, you know, and, and so what did you think when you saw that on your radar screen? Well, frankly, I was I was amazed. You were amazed? Yeah, I was amazed. Then the next person they talked to, the scientist, is it possible it's foreign technology? It is possible. So you're saying it's possible? Y- yes. Yes. Hello. 
Yes. Yeah. I just, I said, just that. said it's possible. I only get three questions, and in the third one, you're asking me to reset or restate what I told you in the second question. I just said in plain English, I was amazed. Why is Anderson Cooper saying you were amazed? And I have to say, yes, I was amazed again. Everybody heard it. Once you notice that about 60 minutes, it will make you as crazy as it makes me. Because they do it all the time. I swear to God, 25% of the content is people restating what they just said. So anyway, getting back to the other thing about it that made me crazy. And there was interesting information offered up. Really intriguing. Um, Let's go ahead and play 20. That's when he was asked to join something at the Pentagon called the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, or ATIP. The mission of ATIP was quite simple. It was to collect and analyze information involving anomalous uh, aerial vehicles. Uh, what I guess in the vernacular you, you call them UFOs. We call them UAPs. So, this is a story about things in the air, mostly in the air, a couple of them dipped into the water, curiously enough, but things in the air that the military can't identify in our airspace, which is a national security problem. It's an incredibly intriguing question. What are they? Are they our own top-secret stuff that these guys just don't have the clearance to, to hear about? Are they are they foreign? Um, but the whole report was delivered with the... The government is acknowledging UFOs with like an unstated, that means space aliens. But they never actually said that. They just always used that. And the finally, acknowledgement of UFOs with that whole like grade school little green men fascination thing but it was never about that it was about the national security concern of of craft often pulling off crazy maneuvers that couldn't be id'd but they felt like they had to keep like jerking the 11 year old little boy in us along here's one of the valuable pieces of information i thought that was communicated and the guy describing what these things that they are seeing on various radars and stuff and then the the maneuvers they're pulling off imagine a technology that can do six to seven hundred g-forces that can fly at thirteen thousand miles an hour that uh... it can evade radar and that can fly through air and water and possibly space and oh by the way has no obvious signs of propulsion no wings no control surfaces and yet still can defy the natural effects of earth's gravity that's precisely what we're seeing so this is a science story this is a national security story this is really cool and interesting and a little scary but UFOs, they say, except they never even what about, said. What about the probes? <laughs> Why always anal? <laughs> right, they just had to keep going back with that. Oh, so there might be UFO. No, UFO doesn't mean flying saucers. This is not 1932. Cut it out. God, it's so stupid. Uh, to that end, clip number 22, please, Sean. So what do you say to the skeptics? It's refracted light, uh, weather balloons, a rocket being launched, v- Venus. In some cases, there are, are simple explanations for what people are witnessing, but there are some that, that are not. We're not just simply jumping to a conclusion that's saying, oh, that's a UAP out there. 
We're going through our due diligence. Is it some sort of new type of cruise missile technology that China has developed? Is it some sort of high-altitude balloon that's conducting reconnaissance? Ultimately, when you have exhausted all those what-ifs and you're still left with, with the fact that this is in our airspace and it's real, that's when it becomes compelling and that's when it becomes problematic. Right, exactly. It's a national security story. Um, why don't we go ahead uh, with clip 23. Marco Rubio. You know, there's a stigma on Capitol Hill. I mean, some of my colleagues are very interested in this topic and some kind of, you know, giggle when you, when you bring it up. But I, I don't think we can allow the stigma to keep us from having an answer to a very fundamental question. What do you want us to do about this? I want us to take it seriously and have a process to take it seriously. I want us to have a process to analyze the data. Every time it comes in, that there be a place where this is cataloged and constantly analyzed until we get some answers. Maybe it has a very simple answer. Um, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't? Maybe it doesn't. <laughs> we should collect those. You know what, Sean? I know you have much better things to do with your time, but uh, maybe maybe I can pay you to do it in your free time. <laughs> So, you know, the Marco Rubio quote there, that actually addressed what I was ranting about. Those, there are some on Capitol Hill, they kind of giggle and stuff. Can we stop this notion that if you're saying, hey, there was a craft we can't identify. Oh, little green men. Oh, flying saucers. Oh, who, who thinks like that? Who's such a moron they think like that? Oh, man, that story just made me crazy. Anyway, uh, at the heart of it is a truth. And that's, and you could extend it, honestly, to the, the cyber realm as well, as we saw in the, the, the ransomware attacks and the rest of it, and uh, Russian malfeasance online, um, is that there are t- technologies that we aren't familiar with that are threatening us or surveilling us or something on a daily basis and we need to grow up and and get into the 21st century and keep america safe without giggling like idiots anyway uh that's enough of that soon something else oh including uh one of the greatest takedowns of crt we've heard in recent days critical race theory the incredible racist philosophy that's being taught to your children in your public schools and universities also the uh utter stupidity of those who are arguing for it in a lot of cases and or hypocrisy that's coming up Armstrong and Getty Searching for a man who stole more than $12,000 worth of Leonard Skinner memorabilia. Wow, $12,000 worth? So, all of it? <laughs> oh, oh, a little shot at Southern Rock there. I hated that. You know, we have to do the guy who fought the alligator again later in the show for people just tuning in. That was just too good. Guy uh, rescued his dog from a gator. Um, hero or crazy person? You be the judge. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you on uh, some podcast or other the other day, Hero to the Young Hollywood uh, star, Seth Rogen in 31. And another thing that I notice in America a lot is people are very sensitive towards hurting the feelings of racists. <laughs> By over, oh, we don't want to say something's racist if it isn't, because that might hurt the feelings yeah. of the racist. Like, f*** that. It's racist, and we should say it's racist. 
is these conversations. Oh, don't call it a hate crime. That might hurt the racist feelings. Like, what a f***ing insane world we live in. And it's all symptoms of the same problem with weed and with not wanting to classify things as hate crimes is that we are overly protective of the feelings of racist people. I don't understand it. Like, who cares? Like, you. It's a hate crime. And if you don't like it, go f*** yourself. That is, my friends, some of the stupidest stupidity that's ever been stupided. That's also uh, begging the question. Why is it racist? Because it's racist. You can tell it's racist. And this is an actual quote. People are like, you don't want to call it, it racist if it's not racist. And that's stupid because who cares about offending racists? So everything is racism all the time because Seth Rogen says it is. And if anybody says, no, that's not actually racist, that's proof you're a racist because you couldn't possibly be right because everything's racist. Blah, 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 boogity, 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 white supremacists hiding under the beds. These people are crazy and they're paranoid and they're just virtually signaling to each other. I came across Alan Guelzo the other day. He's an American historian. Uh, he's uh, at Princeton University. With the James Madison program at Princeton, I, I would like to take that, although I don't think I could stand being back in school. But he was uh, talking to, it might have been Martha McClellan the other day, I can't remember, but um, he was talking about critical race theory. I thought it was quite elegant. Clip 32, please, or eloquent, rather, 32. Well, I suspect that the president's uh, spokesperson probably thinks of critical race theory as simply an intelligent way to talk a lot about race. And it is, but critical race theory may also be the most irresponsible way to think about race in America. And I think that's really because critical race theory is a subset of critical theory, which has got long roots in Western philosophy, uh, back to Immanuel Kant in the 1790s. Uh, Kant lived at the end of a century known as the Enlightenment, the Age of Reason. But he feared that experience had shown that reason was inadequate to give shape to our lives. There had to be a way of knowing things that went beyond reason. And for him, that meant developing a theory of being critical of reason, hence Mm -hmm. critical theory. The problem was that critical theory got away. It instead justified ways of appealing to some very unreasonable things as explanations, things like race, nationality, class. And they gave us... Karl Marx and Jim Crow and every dictatorship in between. That's especially true about race. And he's going to get into a little more detail here, but the uh, but the basic idea is that reason and science don't matter. My truth is, etc. Honor, dignity, the virtue of the white race, etc. Critical race theory and, and th- similar theories have been the basis of dictatorships forever. And he gets into a little more uh, detail here in 33. The American founding was based upon equality, not equity. Those are two very different things. It was based, I think, in the largest sense on reason itself, on, on natural law, on logical propositions like you find in the Declaration of Independence or the Gettysburg Address. The Constitution itself is a written, logical document built on rules of law and evidence and due process. There have been Americans who have resisted this, 
I mean, the the American Confederacy, for instance, the Southern Confederacy, was built on a similar kind of critical race theory and equity. But then it was about giving equity to white Southern slaveholders who rejected the Declaration and the Constitution and who, and who sneered at reason and law. And then I want to make sure we have a clip uh, time for the final clip in 34. Go ahead, Sean. Modern tyrannies have been founded on glorifications of equity and will and power. And is is this where we really want to go? Do we really, really want to go into these non-rational divisions of people based on race and language and ethnicity? Uh, is that really the direction that we want to take uh, the nation? I don't think that it is. I, I At that point, I have to say, you yeah. tell me who is being responsible and who isn't. So critical theory really took off in the 1960s in France, and I encourage you to read James, Lin- James Lindsay's book, uh, Cynical Theories. But it's it's a weapon. It's not a particular point of view. It's just it's a way to attack everything and tear down everything. Had nothing to do with race at that time in France. It was a set of tools where you like carefully parse everything that's said and find a word or a phrase that you can find fault with and tear the other person down with them. It's a way to tear down civilization. It was it was half a prank among French intellectuals. But then when it's applied to race and seizing power. It becomes this insidious thing we're dealing with now where you, where you have somebody do or say something perfectly innocent, but you convince everybody that it's secretly racist. They're a bad person. You tear them down. You assume power by calling them a racist. It's insidious. It's dishonest and it will tear the country apart. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. If people who aren't fully vaccinated start taking off their masks along with the people who are fully vaccinated, aren't we going to see a spike in new cases? Uh, and, and aren't you, in a sense, relying on an unrealistic honor system? The honor system is to be honest with yourself. If you are vaccinated, we are saying you are safe, you can take off your mask, and you are not at risk of severe disease or hospitalization from COVID-19. If you are not vaccinated, you are not safe. Please go get vaccinated or continue to wear your mask. So what we are really asking the American people to do is to, to be honest with themselves and to not remove their masks until they are safe. And if you're vaccinated, you're not at risk, and you're fine. <clears throat> it was interesting traveling a bit this weekend, going to a ball game, staying in a hotel. The amount of COVID theater that's still going on, hygiene theater. I mean, I was where was it? the hotel said you have to wear gloves to use the buffet. You had to use rubber gloves to to do the breakfast buffet. As if, number one, people are getting it from surfaces. It's just dripping out of your hands, obviously, onto the spoon, which then somebody else will touch momentarily to get themselves some delicious cubed potatoes. And they're just going to have rampant COVID by the time they get up to the room. It's just theater. At the ballpark, there's still the, all the ushers and usherettes between innings march down to uh, right next to the field and stand there with big signs saying, please wear a mask. I'm looking around. There's maybe 20% of people wearing masks. 
Maybe. Everybody's just ignoring it. Nobody cares. Nobody says anything about it because nobody cares. It's just, it's, it's very odd. And yet the, uh, the powers that be just don't have the guts to say, all right, here's where we are. Go do your thing. Yeah. I don't know. It's frustrating. Uh, one more note on the critical race theory thing ran out of time last segment. It's so interesting as a student of history to see how um, how the techniques of the Marxist and, and Maoist revolutions are used uh, in the critical race theory thing, the how to be an anti-racist garbage. And Seth Rogen, idiot, um, nice example of that, how, uh, how people say that's not racist. Well, they're racists by saying it's not racist. And, and why do we care about offending the racists? And they say it's not a hate crime. Well, it, we, we don't care. Let's call it a hate crime because they're racist. And it's like, wait a minute. And it's straight out of like Mao's uh, cultural revolution or, or really the Soviet Union had this too. Um, where if you're called a counter revolutionary, there's no denying it. And it can be for anything, including for nothing. If enough people are shouting you're a counter-revolutionary, well, they drag you into the state streets and they beat you to death uh, or, or throw you into a gulag or what have you. And it's exactly the way racist is being used. If you are a person who espouses anything they, those in power, like the uh, the the critical race theory people if you espouse any point of view that they don't like they call it racist and all it requires for them to get over is a an accusation and b an angry mob you have to have the angry mob because if they call you a racist and you're clearly not and there's no angry mob you just look at them and say you're out of your mind and you walk away but if there's an angry mob to hound you online and call your employer and in your your church and then march on your your front lawn or whatever well then doesn't matter whether you're a racist or not. It doesn't matter whether you're a counter-revolutionary or not, or you you just have a different point of view of like maybe how to run the collective farms. If you're on the wrong side of it, you're you're hammered. Handful of uh, stray thoughts on various topics. Uh, oh, we should tell you, we have a, a fairly long and interesting interview with Neil Ferguson, the great uh, historian at ArmstrongandGetty.com. It's uh, Armstrong and Getty Extra Large Podcast. Uh, you can get all of the segments of the show, all sorts of extra stuff there. I have some A&G swag for you. Um, but uh, grab the podcast there and, and download them. Uh, including, again, the segments of the show are called Armstrong and Getty On Demand. If you miss, go on, miss one or, you know, all sorts of extra stuff. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Liz Cheney, only to say that I never want to hear another word about it again. Um, and, and India, the situation with COVID in India is so exposing humankind for what we are, and it ain't pretty. But first, a positive note from our friends at Simply Safe, award-winning home security. Now, I hope we've convinced you it's great technology. I mean, it's won all sorts of awards from independent folks saying it's the best security system. But it also has great people, people who care about keeping you safe. If an alarm goes off, a person is there for you right now with a phone call to make sure you're okay. If there is an emergency, that person is there. They'll get fire and police to your front door right away. And if you have problems setting up the system, because you set it up yourself, it's easy. But maybe you're not super comfortable with technology. There's a person right there 
for a friendly chat, quick resolution, they'll help you get it set up. I mean, the people are always there for you with Simply Safe 24-7. It's one of the many reasons U.S. News recently called Simply Safe Best Home Security 2021. All you have to do is visit simplysafe.com slash Armstrong, customize your system, get a free security camera. It's a 60-day risk-free trial, nothing to lose. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong for that free security camera. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. I never want to hear another word about Liz Cheney as long as I live. The whole, she's the number three person in the, the house. Nobody can name that. Nobody knows what she does. Nobody knows the significance of it. It's mildly interesting uh, because she's being ousted for consistently and constantly griping about Trump and, and Trump's claims about the elections and how we can't live a big lie, blah, blah, blah. It's funny to watch. Because all of a sudden she's a hero of the left when they despised her. I mean, she's Dick Cheney's daughter and is is likewise a, a neocon. If you don't mind me throwing away uh, throwing around that term, she's an arch conservative. I mean, she, her inser- conservative credentials are through the roof, according to all the conservative uh, ratings agencies. But she she broke with Trump, and what's Really interesting is Elise Stefanik, who got appointed to fill that mysterious role, nobody really understands, number three in the House, is that she uh, isn't much of a conservative. I mean, she's a very, very moderate Republican. Now she's tacking to the right in recent months, and, and her scores are going up, but her big thing was she sided eloquently and persuasively with Trump. She's a good speaker. Tough, tough young woman and, and pretty impressive, rhetorically speaking, but... Man, she was nobody's idea of a, a real conservative for the longest time, but the Republican Party just wanted wanted that symbol of still being with Trump. It's interesting how populist politics uh, work, but because Trump's involved, you can't swing a, a, a dead toupee without he, he seeing her giving an interview. The left loves her because she's going up against Trump. Uh, the right loves her because, you know, well, because it's about Trump and everybody clicks, or apparently that's what they think. Please, not another damn word about Liz Cheney. What time is it? Do I have time? Yeah, we have time for this. Um, the last thing, just to touch on as we're hopping her out frantically, is uh, oh my God! Does the New York Times have a, uh, an article today about about India? India is getting absolutely murdered by the COVID. Okay, <clears throat> uh, probably poor choice of words because lots and lots of people are dying. But their their medical system is completely overwhelmed. Even in in the most modern parts of India, in the hinterlands, there's no chance you're going to get any medical care. People are just dying. They're dying at home. They're being cremated at home. The statistics are not being reported. Um, the, the rich are chasing hospital beds. They're bribing. They're they're trying to find stuff on the black market, and that's the crazy part. I wanted to talk to you about. This is this is human beings. This is not Indian human beings. We've seen this sort of thing in the United States, all over the world. <clears throat> Homo sapiens are my least favorite species. I've said that many times. Uh, second, mosquitoes. But uh, the healthcare system is failing, and clandestine markets have emerged for drugs oxygen, hospital beds, and funeral services. That's kind of good in a way, depending on your philosophy. It's the free market finding ways to get goods to the market. The problem is a lot of it's fake. And I mean thousands and thousands and thousands of people are out there trying to rip off their fellow citizens as India is gripped by their worst health catastrophe in probably forever. So you got, for instance, 
India's hospitals desperately need those metal oxygen canisters. Few treasures are more coveted than an empty oxygen canister. They can fill them. They just need the canisters. So India's hospitals are desperately trying to find them. So a local charity reacted with outrage when one supplier more than doubled the price to nearly $200 each. But when the cops responded, they found out the supplier, a business called Varsha Engineering, it's a scrapyard. It's been repainting fire extinguishers and selling them as oxygen canisters. The only problem is fire extinguishers are, are at a tiny fraction of the pressure of oxygen canisters so they could explode. Uh, this guy should be charged with homicides at a volunteer at the charity. He a, he's playing with lives. So hospitals are full, drugs, vaccines, and oxygen and other supplies are running out. So pandemic profiteers are filling the gap. Excuse me, medicine, oxygen, and other supplies are being broken, brokered online or in hushed phone calls. In many cases, the sellers prey on the desperation and grief of families. Uh, you have fraudulent drugs, fake remdesivir, for instance. It's nothing. It's like sugar tablets. Uh, last week, police officers accused one group of stealing used funeral shrouds and then selling them as new. Citing the predatory sales, a top court in Delhi said this month, the moral fabric of the society is dismembered. I've seen all kinds of predators, all forms of depravity, said a police chief. But this level of predation and depravity I have not seen in the 36 years of my career or my entire life. The scams and profiteering uh, represent the flip side of the huge online help system the government's tried to get going. But you name a scam and people are doing it. It's unbelievable. Ambulance drivers are are gouging people 10 times the normal price. Uh, 10 times the normal price for firewood. It's unbelievable. The And, you know, a great book, um, <clears throat> Enlightenment Now, by, uh, what's his name, Tim? I'm so bad with authors. Uh, if you remember Enlightenment Now, it's great, but uh, I'm so terrible. Can somebody look that up? Sean, do you mind? Um, it, it makes the point that the Enlightenment and civilization are a miracle. The natural state of the world is chaos, predation, viciousness, death, disease, infant mortality, and the rest of it. And, and the, the Western world in particularly, and, and the Eastern world to a large extent, Japan, tip in my cap, um, have built this miraculous, fairly safe, medically advanced, mostly peaceful thing. And everybody's taking it for granted. That was the topic of an absolutely terrific piece that Jonah Goldberg wrote that we quoted to you last week, where uh, they they were doing that experiment, that radio show, I guess it was a podcast, where they were replicating that famous uh, question by the physicist of, if you had only one sentence to communicate everything you know to a, a civilization that emerges from the ashes of this one, what would it be? And most of the experts that they consulted have, people should know that race is not real, but when it comes real, racism is wrong. And... Don't be afraid, because fear is the only thing that will hold you back. A bunch of, like, greeting card emotional affirmations. And it's as if a lot of people on the left have turned their nose at practical necessity and the incredible achievements of Western civilization. People were were dying at age 30 if they were lucky. Infant mortality, people crapping in the streets and 
and then just infected wounds. The doctor would go from operating on somebody's bowels to delivering a baby and infect a mother, and life sucked <laughs> prior to the Enlightenment. It was awful, and all these incredible achievements of Western civilization, they act as if they don't count for anything, and all that matters is your feelings and saying the right thing and being enlightened and all, and it's... It's really something. And uh, I tell you what, things have broken down in India, and the ugly animal nature of human beings is is starting to come out again. Man, be grateful for this society we have. It has flaws. It has plenty of flaws. But everybody knows that. This is a great country, and we're lucky to live here. More to come. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Everyone's waiting to see coming Chicago officials announced that they're releasing more than a thousand feral cats into the city to help combat its growing rat problem. <laughs> or as the Chicago Health Commissioner explained it, the cats combat the rats and that's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I almost don't even want to say um, that's insane and soon you're going to be having to release dogs to catch the cats. And after that, probably, I don't know, mountain lions to catch the dogs, then grizzly bears uh, when the mountain lions overrun Chicago. I almost don't want to point that out to let it happen and see what happens. Although there are ways to control the population of feral cats, too. So uh, who knows? Good luck, Chicago. Uh, That's where I grew up. Right outside the city. Oh, so I uh, talked about this a little bit earlier, but it's worth uh, mentioning again. Great piece in The Atlantic about how the CDC has completely lost credibility. And I love this line. Uh, they brought new meaning to the concept of follow the science. They often follow it about six months after it becomes perfectly clear. The CDC was several months late to the idea that surface transmission of the coronavirus is largely mythical. Now, when was the last time y'all saw somebody compulsively wiping down surfaces or telling you you can't touch something or you have to be behind a screen or whatever? It's an aerosol disease. But the answer to that question is probably yesterday because people are still compulsively wiping down surfaces as if they have no idea that that's not happening, the transmission is not happening. It was months after it was widely known that the disease rarely, if ever, spreads outdoors, that the beaches were still closed, that the parks and playgrounds were still closed. There are parks and playgrounds in blue areas that are still closed, even though it's utterly needless and idiotic. Until this week, the Atlantic writes, it continued to issue Byzantine advice for vaccinated individuals, even as evidence piled up that inoculated people are at extremely low risk of serious disease or transmission. In March, the CDC's initial recommendations for the fully vaccinated encouraged them to wear masks and socially distance around the unvaccinated. In April, the CDC loosened those guidelines, but spread confusion by putting out a color-coded matrix of activities and recommendations that was so hard to follow, even scientists admitted they couldn't understand it. I missed that completely, the color matrix. Now it's declaring masks off in a way that is welcome and weird, but frankly, and the writer says, potentially too broad. I think it's perfectly fine, honestly. Um... You know, if, if you're so at risk that, uh, you know, and you can't get vaccinated in your cancer treatment or something like that, you need to be super careful. But 
eliminating that small risk to a small number of people, the idea that society should just uh, put itself on hold or, or twist itself into pretzels is just crazy. It's a, that's a notion nobody's ever subscribed to, and we shouldn't now. And they point out the CDC came into the pandemic as the gold standard of public health, but it is emerging from the pandemic as something akin to the actual gold standard, rickety, inflexible, and struggling for coherence in the modern age. Economic <clears throat> shot. Yeah, that's that's kind of a sophisticated shot. But so that poor CDC gal who who came out and said schools should open and teachers don't need vaccines for schools to open. The science is clear. And then Jen Psaki humiliated her by saying, yeah, she was speaking in her personal life at work in front of a big sign that said CDC. Yeah, okay. And they point out that Japan quickly settled on the three C's rule. Avoid closed, sp- closed spaces, crowded spaces, and close contact. There you go, the three C's. The C, our CDC is issuing pages of bizarre six months late directives. And this guy, the writer, says perhaps the CDC could just uh, utter the two commandments of COVID-19. One, COVID-19 is an indoor aerosol disease. How simple is that? That's like, what, six words? Seven words. And it communicates so much about the true nature of the disease. COVID-19 is an indoor aerosol disease. Two, vaccination protects you. More vaccinations protect everyone. Clearly true. Absolutely true. How far do those 13 words get you? Pretty far. That's good stuff. You know, I, I babbled on too long. I wanted to get to some of the particulars of, and it's a story Jack brought us to, uh, brought to us rather, uh, last week. He's sick today, unfortunately, but the, uh, maneuver where the San Francisco Teachers Union got the schools to open up for one day without any teaching for high schoolers. And they get $12 million in state reopening funds for showing up to teach the kids. They found the, 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 you know, the, the fine print. They found the loop they could exploit. Unbelievable. It's utterly immoral. And they know exactly what they're doing, by the way. It's not a mistake. It's, it's, it's there in their communications that, uh, that's what they wanted to do. Unbelievable. Thanks, unions. Armstrong and Getty.